Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Before we get started with today's session, I wanted to share a really amazing resource with you. A question that everyone has, a problem that everybody deals with is, how do I focus within my prayer? How do I enjoy my salah? Well, the answer to that question, the solution to that problem is actually quite straightforward and simple. If we understand what we say within our prayer, we'll be able to focus on it, internalize it, and actually get back to enjoying our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We created a solution to make this possible. It's called Meaningful Prayer. This is a course, a curriculum, a seminar, a workshop that I taught in over a hundred locations all across this country and even in other countries. Tens of thousands of people have taken this course and it has really turned around, transformed their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well now, inshallah, you can take the Meaningful Prayer course online. You can take it according to your own schedule, at your own leisure. You can pace yourself. You can go back and review lessons multiple times to really be able to internalize them. Go to MeaningfulPrayer.com to sign up. Share this resource with others so that we can get back to not only just offering our prayers or performing our salah, but we can go back to experiencing a conversation and relationship with Allah. Now, to get on to today's session, inshallah, we're going to be covering the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. The following session was recorded at the Seerah Intensive. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-ladhin astafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rasuli wa Khatimil Anbiya wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Atqiya amma ba'd. Babu ma jaa fi tawadhi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The chapter on the humility of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Arabic, we have a principle, وَبِذُدِّهَا تَتَبَيَّنُ الْأَشْيَاءِ That when you're trying to understand something, one of the best ways to create a clear and robust definition is to identify the opposites first. So the best way for me to explain uh, or try to convey to a person what it means to be cold is to talk about what it means to be hot. And then when you have the opposites of the two, the haqiqah, the reality of its meaning is understood. So in order to understand what tawadu' means, it's important to identify what is the opposite of tawadu'. And the opposite of tawadu' is kibr. Kibr in Arabic means to be proud of oneself, to have pride. And you will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to himself in the Qur'an as Al-Mutakabbir. Subhanallah amma yishrikun. Allah is Al-Mutakabbir. A person who has pride is one, a person who deserves to have pride is one who has no flaws at all. The person who has control of his blessings and has control over his good and he has control over his mahasin. The thing that you're boasting over, you should have complete control over it, and there should be no one who can compete with you. No nadir, no mathir. There's no one that can compete with you in that characteristic. And that place, that position, is reserved only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every other human being does not have complete control over, over any attribute that we feel proud over. Every other human being... No matter how much you think that you have something, there is always someone greater than you in that. As Allah says in the Qur'an, 
And above every knowledgeable person, there is someone who even has more knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His names and attributes, preserves some names for Himself and does not allow any human being to attribute themselves with that characteristic. And then there are those names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to bring those attributes into ourselves. So for example, the characteristic of mercy. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses the characteristic, the sifa of mercy to its complete and to a degree that no human being or no creation can ever match. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, develop this characteristic inside you. Ar-Rahimun, yarhamuhum ar-Rahman, tabarak wa ta'ala, irhamu man fil ardi, irhamukum man fil sama. That be merciful on those in the earth and the one in the heavens will be merciful to you. So we're being commanded, exercise mercy. Be merciful to other people and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be merciful to you. These are characteristics of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. Allah azza wa is al-adl. He is the just. And in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, i'dilu, be just. This is a characteristic of mine I want you to bring into your life. Then there are those characteristics of Allah that are preserved for Himself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not wish for any human being to attribute themselves with that characteristic. For example, Ar-Razzaq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the sustenance provider. No human being should ever say, I am the Raziq. I am the one who provides. You can refer to yourself as a means, as a sabab, but you never refer to yourself as a true provider. Because that characteristic is reserved for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same thing comes with Al-Mutakabbir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds pride for Himself. And anyone that tries to take pride or tries to be a mutakabbir, someone who is proud of themselves, looking down upon other people, thinking of yourself as being better than others, when you bring this into yourself, you are doomed. That's when your decline starts. There is one hadith, hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it's a divine narration, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in first person. Al-azmatu izari wal-kibriya uridai. Greatness is, a, is my upper garment, and pride is my lower garment. Whoever tries to steal one of my two garments, I will crush him. And I will have no care for that person. So we learn from this that no matter how much you think you've accomplished, no matter how great you think you are, learn to keep yourself humble, the opposite. Now, in order to understand where humbleness plays a role in our life, Let's examine where pride takes place in our life first. If we understand where pride will occur and where it attacks us, that's where we will be able to know that these are places where we need to exercise humbleness. So for some people, they take pride in their wealth when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them wealth. As we learn in the story of Qarun, قَالَ إِنَّمَا أُوْتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ عِنْدِي when people asked him, فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ فِي زِينَتِهِ Qarun came out with all of his wealth. And he had so much wealth, so much wealth. مَا إِنَّ مَفَاتِحَهُ لَتَنُوءُ بِالْعُسْبَةِ أُولِلْقُوَةِ عُسْبَةِ أُولِلْقُوَةِ A strong group of people. مَا إِنَّ مَفَاتِحَهُ They couldn't even lift or drag the keys to his treasures. This is how wealthy this man was. He was the original guy. This guy was very, very, very wealthy. And he came out and he was displaying his wealth. And the people asked him, where did you get this wealth from? And what did he say? 
he attributed it to himself. He looked down upon other people. He said, I was the one who gained this wealth because of my knowledge. And when he became boastful, when he gained this pride in his heart, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do to him? Qasamtuhu wa la ubali. Allah crushed him and left no care for him. What happened? فَخَصَفْنَا بِهِ وَبِدَارِهِ الْأَرْضِ وَمَا كَانَ لَهُ مِنْ فِئَةٍ يَنْصُرُنَهُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُنْتَصِرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sucked, in, sucked him up with all of his treasures, all of his wealth, and he was gone. There was no one to help him, and neither could he take any revenge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was so proud and so arrogant a few moments ago, but now he could do nothing. For other people, their strength comes from, their pride comes from their strength. They feel that because I'm stronger than someone, because I'm, I can physically do more than others. And this is how people feel. Go to someone who has a lot of wealth. Or if you're someone who has a lot of wealth, know that this will be your challenge. Your wealth will constantly tell you that because you have it, you're better than another person. Because you drive uh, uh, you know, a better brand car, or better is um, subjective, but you, know, you, buy, you, you, drive, you drive a German car, or a British car, or whatever the case is, drive a Bentley or a Jaguar, you might think the person who drives a car who may, which may not be the same caliber of your car, may not have the same branding as your car, you're better than that person. So when you're hit with takabur, when you're hit with pride, what you actually need to hit it back with is, what's the word here? At-tawadu. What's the Arabic word? At-tawadu. That's where you need to bring humbleness into yourself. For some people, it's power. Those who are stronger, you know, when you go to the gym and you're on your heavy lift and you've got three plates on each side, four plates on each side, and you're just really ripping it out. For those of you who understand that reference, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who have no idea what plates I'm talking about, for your understanding, I'm, talk I'm not talking about biryani. So you're just really like pumping that iron. Now, the guy after you who comes and uses that bench, he removes all three plates and puts a quarter on each side. What do you think to yourself? What a loser. You don't even deserve to lie on my sweat. How could you dare lie and lift on the same bench that I was just lifting on right now. You know, people, when they have, when power comes in, what happens? Along with that comes pride. And what did they say after that? You know the people of Ad, these giants who used to build their houses into the mountains? As for the people of Ad, they had their pride. And then what happened? What did they say after that? They said, who was more stronger than us? No one in this world is stronger than us. What happened to them? Anyone know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wiped them out. No, it's Al-Haqqa, right? Surah Al-Haqqa, at the beginning of Al-Haqqa. What was that? The wind came and knocked them over. They were like these date trees just knocked over because of a big wind came in and hit them all down. They, they, they couldn't even stand. They looked like a big mess after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was done with these people. Then there are those people who are proud of their beauty because they may think that they're more beautiful. When they look at other people who may not have the same beauty as them, they frown down upon them. You know, and these are ways we as human beings, we stroke our own ego by telling ourselves we're better than others because of race or because of beauty, because of height, because of weight, because of the, how, the house that we live in or because of the car that we drive. These are things that shaitan uses to bring us down. And it's at moments like these when the shaitan comes to you and says you're better than the person next to you because the person next to you just listens to the shaykh, you actually write. 
or the person next to you doesn't know how to write properly, their English is messed up, I can see all the spelling mistakes they have right here, and you begin to tell yourself, I'm more educated than them. Ilm also does this, by the way. Ilm does this as well. That's what happened to shaitan. Ilm destroyed him. You know, there are different ways that people are injected with this poison of kibr. And when pride enters your heart, you have to get rid of it right away. Because, first and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love those who have pride. Secondly, a person who has pride will not enter into paradise. Your heart must be cleaned. Your heart must be pure, purified. And we look at this, our greatest, our, the greatest example, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If there was a person in the world who could have had pride, and rightfully so, if there was a creation, it would have been who? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But what does he do? He humbles himself. And the beauty of the Prophet ﷺ is in his humility. You know, if you ever talk to someone and they praise another person genuinely, it's genuine praise, trust me, nine out of ten times they'll be praising them because of their humility. They'll say so-and-so person has, amazing, has an amazing voice, or so-and-so person has an amazing mind, yet they're so humble. Yet so-and-so person has so much wealth, yet they're humble. Nine out of ten times when someone is genuinely praising another person, what will it be about? How they don't stroke their ego, how they don't boast about themselves, how they don't try to lift themselves constantly, rather they lower themselves. There's one hadith of the Prophet sallallahu I'll share with you before we continue with the chapter. The Prophet sallallahu says, مَن رَفَعَهُ اللَّهُ Whoever humbles himself or herself for the sake of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate them. Your job is to go into sajda, Allah's job is to take you to Jannah. Your job is to lower yourself. If you try to lift yourself in the world, and whoever tries to lift himself, Allah will slam that person face down. The one who has pride will be destroyed. And the one who is humble will be elevated in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you look at Islamic history. When we talk about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu, all these sahaba, what's the one thing we say? They were so humble, they were so humble, they were so humble that you wouldn't know who is who. You know, they never had name tags saying that this is Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu, you're Amir al-Mu'mineen, put your axe straight and get out of my way. Very humble people. Who was Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu? He used to tell the people, we are nothing. We are people of ignorance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored us through Islam. Had it not been for Islam, we were nothing. So if there is a moment in your life that you feel like you've earned something, that you know what, I, mashallah, have accomplished the art of beauty, which is a delusion like times a million. Or if you think, you know what, I am the, what is that show they have? Um, no, where, where, they, where, where these guys, they jump through all these courses. Warrior. What was it called? Ninja warrior. There you go. Or I am ninja warrior. <laughs> Any times you keep telling yourself, me, 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 if that thought comes to your mind, rather than attributing that feature of yours to yourself, attribute it to Allah Azza Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did it. Walhamdulillah. وَمَا كُنَّا Allah. Had it not been for the favor of Allah, we wouldn't have this. I wouldn't have this opportunity to come and study here. I wouldn't have the opportunity to learn about the Prophet I wouldn't have the opportunity to smile had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not given me the ability to smile. What, what am I? Who am I? I'm nothing without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The person today, by the way, 
who's so arrogant of himself, forgets very easily how weak he was two days ago. Right? Allah created you at a time where you were nothing, and then today you become something, and you're all of a sudden so proud of yourself, you're so full of yourself that I have everything. That same person forgets today who refused to give zakat, who refused to give sadaqah, who refused to turn his an attribute, uh, this, this feature of his towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That person forgets that just one year ago when he went for his job interview or when she went for her college interview, who were they making dua to the night before? Who were they making dua to? It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the one who they raised their hands in front of and they made dua to. And today, amazingly, how this person uh, has no need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever that thought comes into your mind, attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, had it not been for you, there was no way I could have had this. So this leads us to being humble. Now, being humble, it could be a little tricky. Because there's one element of humbleness that's natural, and that's humbleness that takes birth internally and then may manifest itself externally. And then there's another element of humbleness which is actually pride on steroids. You guys understand that? There's another element of humbleness which is actually what? Pride's on, pride on steroids. What am I talking about? We call this tasannu, takalluf. You know, artificial humbleness. Akhar zayif ki Referring to yourself with silly titles, right? And you're calling yourself, I was once reading a book and there was one, the person who wrote it, you know, he signs his name at the end and he writes, Ahqarul Khaliqa, bal la shay'un fil haqiqa. Ahqarul Khaliqa means the lowest of Allah's creation. Then he says, bal. Oh, no, not, that's not me. Actually, la shay'un fil haqiqa. I'm nothing in reality. One person, I heard him, he says, um, the filthy dog's opinion is this, this, this. I said to him, who's this filthy dog? He said, this is how I refer to myself. So there's no virtue in calling yourself filthy dog. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored your parents with an with a intellect to give you a beautiful name, the, humble, the most humble thing you can do is what? You know, you know refer to yourself in, your, in the manner that you are. You know, that, you know my, my weak opinion is this. This is something that I'm still working on. Let it be natural. Don't let it be artificial and the sun. Because when you become artificial in your, in your, in your humility, then you're actually in delusion. Because at that point, you have no idea what humility is. When a person is delusional, saving them becomes very hard. You know, People create these frameworks of what it means to be humble. Something that humble means that you go on Facebook and you write and you share quotes on what it means to be humble. You know, That's not what, hum that's not what humility is. Humility is an internal state. It's ajizi, it's inkisari for you to break yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want to learn, if you want to learn what humbleness is, humbleness is not earned during the hours of the day in front of other human beings. It's earned during the hours of the night while in sajda in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where it's earned. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. That's where it's earned. When you're in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you break yourself down for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're nothing. And in front of other, other people, once you've lowered yourself in front of Allah, then naturally you will lower yourself in front of other people. And there's no need for you to say that you're lower than another person. When you have to say that, you're actually making a, there's a flaw in it right there. You know, um, 
Imam Ghazali addresses this in his Ihya. He talks about people who superficially act as if they're pious through poisonous words. So for example, they'll say, like he, used, he calls this, what is the word he uses? He, for, he uses terminology, Qurra al-Mura'een. They show off reciters of the Qur'an. And, he, and maybe it was something in his time that was very prominent, this sort of language. And he says, you will find one of them saying, when he is with his friends, Allah have mercy upon so-and-so because, and then he'll start listing his sins. So the actual intent behind that was what? To backbite that person. But how does this person backbite him? Rather than outright backbiting them, he elevates himself to actually act like he cares for that person, and then publicly mentions his name, humiliates him, and then closes off the discussion by saying, Allah have mercy on him. Subhanallah. Then Imam Ghazali says, if you really cared for that person, you could have done all of that without mentioning his name, and maybe going and advising him in person. So this is your delusion, you're fooling yourself into what it means to be humble. Imam al-Ghazali he says, learn to create humility in yourself with every human being and every creation that you interact with. He says, for example, when you look at someone who was older than you, tell yourself, and you don't need to say it with your mouth, just tell yourself in your heart, that look how lucky this person is. This person has spent more years in Islam and therefore has attracted more mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you look at someone younger than you, tell yourself, look how lucky this person is. This person must be better than me too. Because this person has spent less years in comparison to me sinning and disobeying Allah. Therefore, this person must be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you look at a scholar, tell yourself that this person must be closer to Allah because they know more. And if you're a scholar, look at an ignorant person and tell yourself, this person must be closer to Allah because he doesn't know and he is more likely to be forgiven for his transgression in comparison to me, a knowledgeable person who doesn't have any practice at all. He says, when you look at a non-Muslim, tell yourself it's very possible that he may accept Islam before he passes away and take a higher rank in Jannah and I may die outside the folds of Islam. When you look at an animal, tell yourself that this animal has spent his life worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This animal has never disobeyed Allah and this animal will have no accountability with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you look at the trees, tell yourself that this animal, this, this tree is constantly in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where am I in comparison to it? So everything around you, this cup right here, whether you believe it or not, it's doing dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With, with a mouth that we can't hear, in a way that we can't comprehend. But the Qur'an is telling us, وَإِمِّنْ شَيْءٍ There is not a thing, but it glorifies Allah with His praise. But you do not have the ability to understand its praise. There is a famous... <clears throat> Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala says, There are ten characteristics that dogs possess. If any human being were to adopt them, you will become a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You guys understand that? So, what, I mean, the 10 characteristics aside, what is Hassan al-Basri doing? He's studying an animal and he's saying, even this animal has lessons of tazkiyah for me to learn and adopt and bring into my life. There is a book that I read some years back, very beautiful book. It's called, Fadlul Kilab Ala Kathirin Minman Labisat Thiyab. The virtue of dogs over many of those human beings, many of those who wear garments. Meaning, sometimes even animals are better than human beings. You know? And yet we, refer, we, yet we use their name when we want to curse at someone, you dog. 
When in reality, that dog may be a friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet you're, using, you're, you're calling a person by the name of that animal to degrade them, to bring them down. So learn to create humbleness inside yourself. And know that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you whatever blessing that you have, just as Allah gave it to you, He can easily take it away. Reflect over that. Really reflect over that. Ask yourself, have you ever met someone in your life who had everything? When you were 11 years old, there was one person in your life that you thought this person was going to do great things. Their future was set. And you look at them 10 years later, 20 years later, you look back and say, what happened? What that person had going for them, they lost it. And from one perspective, maybe they were ungrateful. Another, another perspective, it could be a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you may not see it, but they're actually continuously growing in rank. Both things are very possible. But that opportunity, that bounty being present will leave you. Either you will leave it or it will, it will leave you. So while you have it, you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You had a question, yes. There is a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا صَرَّتْكَ حَسَنَتُكَ وَسَاءَتْكَ سَيِّئَتُكَ فَأَنْتَ مُؤْمِنَ When your good deeds make you happy, when you do a good deed and it brings a, and it brings a smile to your face, وَسَاءَتْكَ سَيِّئَتُكَ and you commit a sin and it makes you sad. When your good deeds bring joy to you. And when your bad deeds make you sad. فَأَنْتَ مُؤْمِنْ Then know that day you have completed your iman. Okay? So you're right. Don't be, don't be negative with yourself. Don't be pessimistic with yourself. Don't call yourself foul names and say, I'm worth nothing and I'm worth nothing. In front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are worth nothing. And that's accepted. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has still given you worth in this world. And you have a responsibility to maximize on that worth. Know what your strengths are. Keep your, see, this leads us back to what's the definition of pride. We have to really understand pride uh, in order to understand what it means to be humble. Someone asked the Prophet of Allah, he said, our Messenger of Allah, every person has a desire to wear nice clothes. Is that considered pride? What did the Prophet ﷺ say? Wearing nice clothes is not pride. Pride is that you look down upon the person next to you. What a sucker, what a loser. If that's what you're fighting against, then alhamdulillah, you're doing the right thing. But if you're fighting against, because sometimes when you, when you enter this realm of uh, lowering yourself and bringing yourself down, you end up killing your own confidence and reach a place where you aren't able to do anything. You know? So you have to be able to praise yourself. When someone does something good, when kids, they do something good, what do we tell them? Alhamdulillah, you did something good. That's the whole argument over celebrating birthdays. That some people say that you're getting closer to your death, while other people say, you've had another year of ibadah. Half the glass is half full or it's half empty. You know how I told you guys earlier today, there are some discussions that when you have them, they, everyone forgets what you talked about earlier on. I just said the word birthday and I have a feeling that's going to happen. <laughs> so please don't think about it for too long. What was that, sorry? Yeah. yeah, no dream questions on her birthday. Jazakallah khair. Yes? Wali is someone who is a close friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are two types of friendships that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to his servants. Wilaya amma and wilaya khassa. Wilaya amma is a general friendship every human being has with Allah. Not every human being, every believer has with Allah. Allahu waliyul mu'mineen. Allahu waliyulladina amanu. Every believer has a bond of friendship with Allah, a closeness to Allah. 
And then wilaya khasa is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives a person a special rank, a special closeness due to that person's sacrifice for the deen. His jihad, walladhina jahadu fina. Or that person's taqwa, wallahu waliyul muttaqeen. Allahu yajtabi ilayhi man yasha wa yahdi. So there, then there comes a point, and that's a whole different discussion on how does a person achieve that, but that's what wilaya is. Should we, should we do some reading, guys? One more question, yes. Go ahead, it's okay. Look, if someone calls you to do da'wah, someone says we need a halaqah in our community, and you know that you are able to deliver that halaqah, if there is someone there in that community who was more worthy of the halaqah, then you give them the position. But if there is no one else in their community, then for you to step away from that halaqah is not only undesirable, but it's khiyana. You are betraying the community. Just like Yusuf salam said, اِجْعَلْنِي عَلَىٰ خَزَائِنِ الْأَرْضِ إِنِّي حَفِيظٌ عَلِيمٌ that make me responsible of the treasures of the land. I want to be the treasurer of Egypt while we go through this drought. Someone can say he was being proud of himself, but he wasn't being proud of himself. What was he doing actually? He was presenting himself because he knew the alternative was not good. He knew the alternative was going to be a big mess. It comes down to, see, humility is it's a, it's a huge internal struggle. Where you keep reminding yourself, of who you are and what your reality is. So for example, I'll give you an example. While you're giving the khutbah, or while you've been invited to give the, while you're invited to give the halaqa, a lot of humility is how you present yourself during the halaqa. You know? And not only that, but what you do during the halaqa, what you say during the halaqa. So for example, if I know someone who's doing a halaqa, and they ask me that, uh, Sheikh, I'm going to give a halaqa somewhere, and... Um, should I do it or not? I'm, not a, I'm, I, I'm still in my beginning phase or I'm not, even, I'm not even considered a student of knowledge. Should I do it or not? So I tell them, if there's no one else available, go and do it. However, 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 unless the question and answer relates to something that you specialize in, maybe you're a physician and they ask you about that, if they ask you anything about the deen, unless you're clarifying what you already said in the lecture, don't take it. That's time for you to say, لا أدري, I don't know. I don't have knowledge. I don't know regarding this. That, these are small steps that will bring you down. Humble yourself down. If you've, anyway, these are, you know, they have, there's a whole class we do called the Khatib Training Workshop in which you talk about all these things and more in detail. How to keep yourself in check when you're doing da'wah and not let pride catch up to you and what are different things you can do to save yourself from it. Yes? Valid pride Okay, can there be valid pride for good deeds? Like I just said, whether it's reading the Quran or something. That pr see, pride connotates you look down upon someone. In Sharia, what does kibr connotate? You are looking down upon another person. In the Sharia, there is no time where that is permissible. There is one narration that in one of the battles, there was a Sahabi by the name of Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu. Before the battle, he had this turban on and he, he was carrying the Prophet's sword and he was swinging his shoulder side to side walking. The Prophet said to the Sahaba, This walk is disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except for in this place. 
where he is in the battlefield, you know, where he's looking the enemy in the eye. Like I said, I think I told you guys yesterday, to do takabur in front of a mutakabir is? is sadaqah. You don't become humble when you're in the battlefield. Hold your tasbih and say, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. They're going to choke you with your tasbih. When you're in the battlefield, what do you do? You straighten your shoulders. And you stand strong. You show the person that you have strength too. Wallahu alam. So let's read. Ready? So now go ahead. Oh yes, I'll read the Arabic. I was exhausted today, so I said to Sister Fatima, she can read the English for me today. So I'll just read the Arabic. If your, good deed, if your good deeds please you, then you are a believer. How do you draw a line between being happy and being content with your good deeds and ujub and pride? I, I think I've highlighted this. I'll say it again. It's about attributing the tawfiq of your good deed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's about attributing the tawfiq, the ability, the guidance to do that good deed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I also quoted a dua that's in the Quran. Alhamdulillah alladhi. Hadana lihada wa ma kunna lawla an hadana Allah. All praises for Allah who guided me to do this good deed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, this is what the, the discussion you need to have yourself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have given this opportunity to anyone. I'm a no one. I'm a sinning servant. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored me with this opportunity. So I take this opportunity and I do the good deed and I'm pleased that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me the chance. But ultimately the tawfiq, and the istita'ah, the ability to do this, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at this point, you're viewing yourself not as the chess player, but just the pawn itself. I'm just happy that I was a pawn. I'm just happy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used me. Otherwise, the mudabbir of the umur, the one that controls all of our affairs, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. Haddathna Ahmad ibn Mani'in wa Sa'id ibn Abdul Rahman al-Makhzumi وغير واحد قالوا حدثنا سفيان بن عيينة عن الزهري أن عبيد الله عن ابن عباس وعمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تطروني كما أطرأت كما أطرأت النصارى ابن مريم إنما أنا عبد فقولوا عبد الله ورسوله yes Don't exceed in praising me. Don't exceed in overpraising in over me. If someone is praising, look, there is a limit of praise that is praiseworthy, but then when you pass that limit, then that praise becomes blameworthy. You guys understand that? You can praise someone. Look, for example, if someone has memorized the Quran, you can say, Alhamdulillah, this person is half of the Quran. Stop there. In the Sharia, we don't like overpraising people. I kid you not, the other day someone sent me a message on, on, on WhatsApp, and it had this, like, it was a, someone took a picture of a flyer of some imam that's speaking, and half of the flyer, I kid you not, half of the flyer, guess what it was? Titles of the imam. Sheikh, Allama, Mufti, Qari, Hafiz, Shams al-Duha, Nur al-Huda, Badr al-Duja, Pirane Pir, Qudwatul Ulama, all these sorts of silly things. You know? I remember once, one of my teachers, he was introduced before he gave a lecture. And someone praised him and praised him and praised him and praised him. When he came to speak, he was very upset. He was very angry. And he said to that person, 
you praised me so much, you should have also said Khaliqu samawati wal ard the creator of this. Like you, you, you equated me to Allah and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa with all this praise. Shouldn't you have left some of it alone? You could have said that this is a person who, the, per, the reason of introducing someone is so that they know that what this person's background is, what this person has accomplished. When you're praising someone, you mention, Alhamdulillah, this person has studied for this many years. That way now the community knows who is speaking to them. That way they know the rank of this person. But to go on and on and on, I kid you not, once I was in Hajj and we were in Mina. In, in Mina, you're sharing tents with people from all over the world. So there was another group of people that came from the USA. They were praised, the Imam was giving up to give, he got up to give a lecture after maybe Maghrib or Isha Salah. He got up to give a lecture. And before he gave his lecture, his student got up to praise him. I kid you not, I thought Isa salam himself was being, being introduced. All the miracles he went through, he said, he has this miracle, he has that miracle. While introducing him, he said, one day I came to the Shaykh and he knew what was in my heart. And then, you know, and I'm listening to this guy, and afterwards I called him, I said, brother, I just want you to know, except for your five buddies who really like your sheikh a lot, who like really must have like got really hyped up, yeah, that's my sheikh. Everyone else is like, what the heck's going on? You just literally insulted your sheikh in front of everyone else right now. Never become a fanboy of anyone over the top. And I'm, if, if, I'm ta if right now what I just said to you, control your fanboyness, if that just bothered you, listen to me even more now. Okay, if there is some scholar who you are infatuated with, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't care how well they're spoken, how many views they have on YouTube, how eloquent they are, or how much ilm they have. Put yourself in check. When you overpraise them to your friends and all you do is talk about them again and again, you know what you're doing? You're pushing your friends and other people away from that person. Because human beings don't like, hear, don't like to hear other human beings being overpraised. That's why the scholars of the past, when they did praise someone, it meant something. You guys understand that? So for example, they would call Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi Imamul Muhaddithin. That title actually meant something. That he was the leader of the scholars of hadith. When they said Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, when they said Shaykh al-Islam, that, that, that title, Shaykh al-Islam, it meant something. Because this person literally, he... This gave his life for the sake of the deen. When they say Hujjatul Islam, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, that Hujjatul Islam actually meant something. Because these people, they didn't toss out you know, titles for free to every person who had something to say that this person is this, this person is that. Learn to control. Even when it comes to the Messenger of Allah wasallam, the Prophet was worried that people would praise him in a manner that would be unsuitable. And when the Prophet not, not only does the Prophet tell them not, what not to do, but then he tells them what to do. Now read the next part of the hadith. Innama ana abdun. Innama, what does innama come for? Exclusivity. We talked about this yesterday, remember? Innama is for hasr. Innama ana abdun. I am only a servant. Look where he starts his introduction. He doesn't start his introduction here. Where does he start his introduction? Right here at the bottom. And not only at the bottom, but when you look at his introduction, He is a servant of Allah and he is a messenger of Allah. The Prophet when he introduces himself, does he introduce himself as a messenger first or as a servant first of Allah? Servant first. You know the reason for that is? That's the only relationship any creation can have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every creation of Allah 
can only be a servant of Allah. Abdullah or Amatullah. That's just a summary of it. You can't be, anyone that claims to be anything more than a servant of Allah has already done ghulu. They've already exceeded their limits. Your introduction, the beginning and end of your existence is what? You are a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then along with that, the Prophet says, and amongst the servants, there are certain people who are messengers, and I am also a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look how the Prophet is introducing himself. Yes. حدثنا علي بن حجر قال حدثنا سويد بن عبد العزيز عن حميد عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه أن إمرأة جاءت إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت له إن لي إليك حاجة قال اجلسي في أي طريق المدينة شئت أجلس إليك yes صلى الله عليه وسلم now who was this woman the scholars differ in opinion the most correct opinion is that who she is is unknown. Some scholars have given a name or two trying to identify her, but the most correct opinion is that she is an unknown person. Now there is a narration that Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi brings that tells us that this lady, she had some sort of mental disability. This was a lady who came to the Prophet and there are, how we know this is because other narrations that are inclusive of these words that give more detail, they tell us that. That this lady came to the Prophet ﷺ who had mental disability. And the Prophet and she said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, in one narration, it actually says, she took the Prophet ﷺ by his hand. Some scholars say that's a kinaya, meaning she said, come with me. And another narration, even if she does take him by his hand, if she, is, uh, uh, she has disability, the Prophet ﷺ didn't stop her. He followed her along. He said to her, take me wherever you want to. I'm not going to leave you. You know, every pe other people may abandon you, but I will be with you. So in this narration, she says, I have something to speak to you about. When a lady comes to the Prophet ﷺ, someone may think that a man she's not, is not worthy of eating on the same plate, eating on the same level of, as a lady. The lady should be on the bottom, the man should be on the top. You know, some person could think like that. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't see the world like that. Whether it was a male coming to him or female coming to him, what does he say to this lady? He says, go wherever you want in Medina Munawwara, take me there and I will come with you. Wherever you tell me to go with you, I'm ready to come with you right now. You know? And if she is mentally disabled, if we go to that narration, this is very beautiful. The Prophet ﷺ, not only is he willing to talk with her, but he's saying that I'll spend time with you too. And wherever you prefer to be, that's where I will be. Let's go together and let's talk. And in one narration it says that he sat together and they talked for a long period until that lady stood up first and she felt that she was content. Done speaking to the Prophet ﷺ. And if we don't use that narration, if we just stick to the words here, what we also learn is how the Prophet ﷺ was inclusive to everyone in the community. You know this attitude that we have right now to the women folk of our community, that you know, the, there should be no education for them. Or that they shouldn't have opportunity. Women shouldn't come to the, uh, the, the Imam if he is a man and ask him questions. All of these ahadith then become a barrier in, in, in your understanding, right? Or what you're trying to promote, because these ahadith speak very clearly. A lady comes to the Prophet. Now we are obviously going to connotate that she was dressed appropriately. That this person was modest. And not only was she modest, but who else was modest at the same time? The Messenger of Allah was also modest. We have to, we, that's a given. You know, we don't doubt that at all. If any person, uh, the Imam, the speaker, or the questioner are inappropriate or immodest, then that's a whole different issue in itself. But both people understand their role in modesty and their, their reason for communication is what? Ilm, for the deen. 
Now, the other thing is the Prophet tells her, take any pathway of Medina you want, we'll go and sit there and talk. What is this teaching us? That when a man and woman communicate, it's important that they stay public. Because the Prophet tells us, when a man and lady are alone in seclusion, the third will be shaitan. You stay, you stay public. People will accuse you. Stay away from places where you can be accused. If you know that someone can accuse you for something, and you're putting yourself in a dangerous place, just don't go there. I'll share a little story with you guys. When I used to live in Chicago, time's almost up? Okay. Uh, he stood up. When I, when I used to live in Chicago, what happened once is that, I don't know, something happened. Um, the, the lights went off in the block or something, and I, I was trying to find some light. So I said to my wife, you know what? At the end of the street, there's a, there's a little store there. Let me go and see if they have light. I saw the IHOP didn't have light, which is right next to my house. I saw the Walgreens didn't have light. So I went to the end of the street, and I entered there. When I exited from there, someone saw me. And he said to me, Mufti Saab, club mein gumre phir Because at the end of my street, right at the end, there's a little club there. What's it called, Juliana? Julian. Juliana's, yeah, that's what it's called. So I came out of there. Oh, the Mufti was in the club. Astaghfirullah, And I said to my wife, you know what? I set myself up. Because even though I may have gone in there for whatever it is that I went in there for, and you guys don't need to know what I went in there for, it was halal, trust me. Okay? But when I came out, when that person saw me, what did he say? Mufti Saab's doing some hanky-panky right there. You know? <laughs> if you're walking, if for example, you have a sister next to you who may be wearing niqab and nobody knows you're and you're, and you're not married and you're a young person and you're holding that sister's hand and you're walking in the store and someone meets you, you should introduce the person. This is my sister right here. You understand? Otherwise, you can put yourself... Now, the other person shouldn't assume. That's their problem. The other person should also have husn al You should have good thought of another human being. But at the same time, you should also clarify yourself of any doubt. Put yourself in the clear. Yes. Yes. The Prophet was one day walking with his wife and one sahabi passed by and the Prophet said to him, this is my wife. He said, a messenger of Allah, you didn't need to tell me. And the Prophet said, Inna shaytan yajidi min al-insani dam." That shaytan runs in the human being like blood flows in your veins. Keep yourself clear. Yes, chalo. حدثنا علي بن حجر قال حدثنا علي بن مسهر عن مسلم الأعور عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعود المريضة ويشهد الجنائز ويركب الحمارة ويجيب دعوة العبد وكان يوم بني قريضة على حمار مخطوم بحبل من ليف وعليه إكاف من ليف yes. He visited the sick. Today, when you become an imam and when you become a superstar, when you become a celebrity, what happens? When you start getting hundreds of thousands of views on, on YouTube and you have millions of followers on social media, what happens? You're now too big to go visit the sick person in the community. When you go to visit a sick person, everyone in the community is shocked. Oh man, so-and-so person came. We never expected that. If the Prophet ﷺ came to visit someone, do you think the Sahaba said we never expected that? Yes or no? No. He was available. This celebrity culture that we've created in our community, that imams are like on a pedestal, we should respect them. I'm all for that, by the way. That's a, 
you know, it's a part of our, adab is a part of our deen. But it should never reach a place where a person becomes so holy that for them to do simple things, they're too arrogant to do that. Yashhadul janais, he would attend the funeral. Yes. He rode on a donkey. It's like, you know, the guy drove a Corolla. No offense to anyone. I've driven one too. Humble brag, hashtag. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about my car these days. <laughs> yes. Some people, they're so arrogant that they won't sit in a car unless it's mashallah, you know? Sometimes when... They, you know, the one person came to me, he said, Sheikh, I'm tired of inviting imams to my community. I said, why? He said, some of these imams won't travel business, won't travel unless you book them a first class ticket, even though they have no illness at all. If a person has an illness and they say, I need more comfort, then it makes sense. But just khamakha, it's a two hour flight, and you're saying that khamakha means just for the sake of it? Like, you know, for, for no reason at all, you've become a diva now. There was one, one imam, he told me, that I invited another imam to my community. And before that imam arrived, he said, one of his, um, his coordinators, someone sent a list that our sheikh, he, for his snacks, he likes the following. And there was a list of organic fruits and foods. And the guy said, my friend said to me that, you know what, I didn't mind getting those foods. It's actually good. If we know what the sheikh want, if, what they prefer, we can get that for them. But the person was so specific that he wants organic honey from this store only. This is a location in your community. So much takalluf, so much tasannu, like... Unnecessary. Yes. Meaning the Prophet seat cover. It wasn't some fine leather. It was date palm leaves that he was sitting on. Yes. The Prophet would accept the invitation of the slave. What does that mean? Someone who other people in the community would frown upon to go because this was a poor person or someone who wasn't that known in society. Maybe this person wouldn't have the most lavish dinner. They weren't going to serve Chinese food or they weren't going to serve biryani. The Prophet ﷺ, knowing that this was a broke college student and most likely in the dinner there would be ramen noodles, he would still go. You understand? He would humble himself and it wasn't about how wealthy this person was. He would humble himself and go to any person's invitation. Yes. Chalo. حدثنا واصل ابن عبد الاعلى الكوفي قال حدثنا محمد بن فضيل أن الأعمش عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يدعى إلى خبز الشعير وإهالة السخنة فيجيب ولقد كان له درع عند يهودي فما وجد ما يفكها حتى مات yes. Stale fat, ihala, sakhina. Fat that was, you know, it was old and it began to create a smell. Like it wasn't the most fresh food. But the Prophet this is not something that would harm him. Like obviously the Sahabi was not trying to hurt the Prophet But it wasn't the freshest food. The Prophet still participated. He still joined that person in the meal. Yes. He didn't have a sufficient amount to release the armor because every time the Prophet wasallam earned money, earned wealth, what would he do? He would give it out, earn it, give it out, earn it, give it out. You know who, you know who released this armor? Armor? 
Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh, did during his Khilafah. He said to that man that I'm going to release that armor because it belonged to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa According to one narration, it was Ali radiallahu anh who released this armor. Yes. Hadathana Mahmud bin... Muhammad, Mahmud ibn al-Ghaylan Mahmud ibn al-Ghaylan Qala hadathana Abu Dawood al-Hafari an Sufyan an al-Rabi' bin Sabih an Yazid bin Aban an Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu qala hajr Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala rahlin rahl rathin wa alayhi qatifatun la tusawi arba'ata dirahim faqala Allahumma ja'aluhu hajjan la riya'a fihi wa la sum'ata Four dirham. How many dirham? Four dirham. That was the value of his saddle. Yes. حدثنا عبد الله بن عبد الرحمن قال حدثنا عفان قال حدثنا حماد بن سلمة عن حميد عن عن سلمة مالك رضي الله عنه قال لم يكن شخص أحب إليهم من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال وكانوا إذا رأوه ولم لم يقوموا إذا لما يعلمون من كراهيته لذلك. Yes. Because the Prophet ﷺ told him that he did not like for them to stand up. He didn't want this to become a ritual that just as people stood up for their kings, that they would stand up for the Prophet ﷺ. And there is a principle, Al-Amru Fawq Al-Adab. Even though the Adab is to stand up, but the Prophet ﷺ's command was to not stand up. He didn't want to create that court feeling that the Romans and Persians had created. However, when someone senior walks in, to stand up is good adab, by the way. For example, when Sa'ad bin Mu'adh entered into the room, what did the Prophet say to the Ansar? Qumu ila Sayyidikum. Your leader Sa'ad bin Mu'adh just came, everyone stand up for him. So they stood up in respect for him. What happened? Yes. No, that's bad qiyas. Very bad analogy. Very bad analogy. حدثنا سفيان بن وكين قال حدثنا جميع بن عمر بن عبد الرحمن العجلي قال أنبأنا رجل من بني تميم من ولدي أبي هالة زوج خديجة رضي الله عنها يكنا أبا عبد الله أن ابن لأبي هالة عن الحسن بن علي رضي الله عنهما قال سألت خالي هند ابن أبي هالة وكان وصافا عن حلية رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنا أشتهي أن يصف لي منها شيئا فقال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فخما متفخما يتلألأ وجهه تلألأ والقمر ليلة البدر فذكر الحديث بطوله قال الحسن فكتمتها الحسين زمانا ثم حدثته فوجدته قد سبقني إليه فسأله عما سألته عنه فوجدته قد سأل أباه عن مدخله ومخرجه وشكله ولم يدع منه شيء قال الحسين فسألت أبي عن دخول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال كان إذا آوى إلى منزله جزأ دخوله, دخوله ثلاثة أجزاء جزء لله وجزء لأهله وجزء لنفسه ثم جزأ جزءه, جزأه بينه وبين الناس فيرده بالخاصة على العامة ولا ولا يدخر عنهم شيئا وكان من سيرته من جزء الأمة من جزء في جزء الأمة إثار إثار أهل الفضل بإذنه وقسمه على قدر فضلهم في الدين فمنهم 
ذو الحاجة ومنهم ذو الحاجتين ومنهم ذو الحوائج فيتشاغل بهم ويشغل ويشغلهم فيما يصلحهم الأمة من من مسألتهم عنه وإخبارهم بالذي ينبغي لهم ويقول ليبلغ الشاهد منكم الغائب وأبلغوني حاجة من لا يستطيع إبلاغها فإنه من أبلغ السلطان حاجة من لا يستطيع إبلاغها ثبت الله قدميه يوم القيامة لا يذكر عنده إلا ذلك ولا يقبل منه من أحد من أحد غيره يدخلون روادا ولا يفترقون إلا عن ذواق ويخرجون أدلة يعني على الخبر قال فسألته عن مخرجه كيف كان يصنع فيه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخزن لسانه إلا ما في يعنيه ويؤلفهم ولا ينفرهم ويكرمهم كريم كل كل قريم كل قوم ويوليه عليهم ويحذر الناس ويحذر الناس ويحترس منهم من غير أن يطوي عن أحد عن أحد منهم بشرة بشره وخلقه ويتفقد أصحابه ويسأل الناس عما في الناس ويحسن الناس ويحسن الحسن ويقويه ويقبح القبيح ويوهيه معتدل الأمر غير مختلف لا يغفل مخافة أن يغفلوا أو يميلوا لكل حار عنده عتاد لا يقصر عن الحق ولا يجاوزه الذي يلونه من الناس خيارهم أفضلهم عنده أعمهم نصيحة وأعظمهم عنده منزلة أحسنهم مواساة ومؤاة زرة قال فسألته عن مجلسه فقال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يقوم ولا يجلس إلا على ذكر وإذا انتهى إلى قوم جلس حيث ينتهي إلى به المجلس ويأمر بذلك يعطي كل جلسائه بنصيبه لا يحسب جليسه أن أحد أن أحد أكرمه إليه منه من جالسه أو فاوضه في حاجة صابره حتى يكون هو المنصرف عنه ومن سأله حاجة لم يرده إلا بها أو بمي أو بميسور من القول وقد قد وسع الناس قد وسع الناس بسطه وخلقه فصار لهم أبا وصاروا عنده من في الحق سواء مجلسه ومجلس مجلس علم وحلم وحياء وأمانة وصبر لا ترفع فيه الأصوات ولا تؤبن به فيه الحرم ولا تثنى فلتاته متعادلين بل كانوا يتفاضلون فيه بالتقوى ومتواضعين ويوقرون يوقرون فيه الكبير ويرحمون فيه الصغير ويؤثرون ذا الحاجة ويحفظون الغريب Yes. This is a powerful, strong hadith. You guys ready for a long hadith? Yeah. Do we have enough time on this camera? Where, where did they go? He told me there were eight minutes left five minutes ago. Sit down. Pardon. You know how you guys asked if. Uh, <laughs> you have to end? Okay. I think this live stream is dead too. Ironic. Not a live stream anymore, is it? Um, you know how someone asked the other day, I think today it was or yesterday, someone asked about, did Khadija radiallahu anha have any kids? Remember? Did she have any kids from the previous marriage? And I told you guys that she did have children from the previous marriage and one of her children was known for being very descriptive of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Remember that? This is his hadith, by the way. Hind bin Abi Hala. Are we, are we good to go? Or is he still taking it? Chalo, read. His maternal uncle. How is, he, how, is, how is he his maternal uncle? Hassan bin Ali. So who was Hassan radiallahu anha's mother? Fatima radiallahu anha. Who was Fatima radiallahu anha's brother from another, uh, from the same mother? Who is it? Hind bin Abi Hala. So he's saying, I asked my uncle. Yes. 
he usually describes, look at this. Uh, what is this? Um, what are the words of the hadith? Wakana wasafan. Wasafan means someone who describes. Like he was the person who knew, he always described everything of the Prophet because his language was very eloquent. He was a genius, very good with words. Yes. Sajib, what is he saying here? I was longing to hear something about the Prophet So many days had passed by, I was missing my grandfather, and I just wanted to hear about him, so who did I go to? Someone who knew. Yes. See, here it says Imam Hassan. And it also says, later on you're going to read Imam Hussein or Hussein. This is a little tricky. This whole Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein. I know many of us do this. We may, it becomes a habit that we say it. It's a little tricky. You know why it's tricky? Um, Abdullah, this is dead too, by the way. Um, you know why it's tricky, should I tell you guys? Because someone may call them Imam literally because they are leaders. And we all agree on that. Sayyida, Shababi. Jannah, they are the leaders of the youth of paradise. But the tricky part to it is, there are a group of people who hold the Ahlul Bayt, certain family members of the Prophet. I didn't say all family members of the Prophet. What did I say? <laughs> Very carefully. Certain family members of the Prophet are in high esteem. And in them, they have this concept of imama, which is a doctrine. It's a doctrine, it's a faith of theirs. That there are people from the Prophet's family, there are 12 people, or depending on what, 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 what group of it you... So you ascribe to, where they say that these are people who have divine uh, authority. And they then call those people Imam so-and-so, Imam so-and-so, Imam so-and-so. So when we call all the Sahaba by Umar radiallahu anh, Uthman radiallahu anh, the respect we give to the Sahaba, my humble opinion is that we should maintain that same respect for the Ahl Bayt as well, the family members of the Prophet Look, if I'm going to say Fatima radiallahu anha, if I'm going to call the Prophet's other grandsons by their names, Abdullah, like we talked about earlier, or the Prophet's own sons by Ibrahim. Likewise, what should the, the other grandchildren, why should we, why, why is it that for Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah, we say Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein? It seems, I'm not saying it's wrong. Technically speaking, really technically speaking, are we lying in any way? Are they Imams? Of course they're Imams. I mean, there's no one that doubts that. But there is like this hidden doctrine within the statement that you have to be a little careful of. Anyway, a little side point. Chalo. So interesting. Hassan thought that I will tell Hussein about what I just learned about the description of the Prophet He says, right when I was about to tell him, give him the news of what I heard, what happened? I found out Hussein already knew it all. You know, just as I was missing the Prophet, he was missing the Prophet and he already found out. Yes. This is how you save your marriages, by the way. This is how you save your sanity. You don't dedicate all of your time to one thing. You distribute your time. A portion of his time was with, for himself with 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A portion of, him, of his time was with his family. Then a portion of his time was for himself. Yes. What was that? All of my time. That, that, that's a good point. That's a really good point. The wife said that all of my time is spent with my family. Why should you get your own time? So what's the answer to that? What's the answer to that? Huh? I think all the sisters are saying it at once. They're like, what the heck is wrong with these guys? Don't they know? The answer to that is very simple. Give your wife's time off. If this was a marriage class, I'd have a lot to say right now. Yes. Now, so, and then look at this. He further distributed. So create like a little spider chart if you can. Honestly, I want you to do this. Okay? So when the Prophet ﷺ entered the house, he, did it as, he distributed his portion into how many parts? His time into? Three. The first was for? Between him and Allah. The second was for him? And his family. And the third was for himself. Then himself, when you do him, then divide that into two again. Then his time, he distributed that into two. For himself and one for the Sahaba. The Sahaba, when they visited him, he didn't let that infringe on his time with his family. That was family time. And when people came to visit him while he was at home, he would give them a portion of his own time. Yes. One thing amazing about the Prophet really, subhanAllah, I hope one day I can adopt this and I hope all of us can adopt this. He was accessible. I've never read a narration where a Sahabi said, I tried to speak to the Prophet and I was blocked out by his gatekeepers, you know, by his program coordinators. Someone came and hijacked him after the lecture and stuffed him into a car and ran away with him. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah? Like, th we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't experience that. We wanted to speak to the Prophet of Allah, what would happen? If we spoke to him, it was simple. He was accessible. Yes? Because sometimes you might convey something and the other person who you convey it to may understand it better than you understand it. Convey it to other people. Pass it on. Yes. Tweet and retweet. Yes. Allahu Akbar. If there is someone who needs something but they're too shy to come and ask for it, what should you do? You should tell me that so-and-so person is struggling. Because maybe they can't come because their heart doesn't want them to come, but I can go and help them in return. Not only was he helping those that came to him, but he was actually actively searching for people who needed help. That's a whole different level of generosity, by the way. That's a whole different level of generosity. Yes? Is that person who informed the king of the need of a man who was unable 
Only informed and interested Hispanics would see Clark in his gallery. He happily listed Kuzini's gallery to the Sahab Rashid Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Besides this, there were no wasteful or non-significant tasks in his opinion. The Sahab Rashid Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala came to the attendance of the Masjid for their religious views. They did not depart before tasting something. Tasting something. What does that mean? The benefit. Yes. Or it could mean. When they would come, they would have a little bite with the Prophet. Maybe there were dates there in the masjid in particular. The Ansar would bring dates and hang them in the mosque. If anyone wanted some, they can take them. But it's more likely that this is talking about um, um, tasting something, meaning they benefited from his knowledge. Yes. I like that. Yes. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Did not waste his time in useless conversations. Oh gosh, I don't even know where to start on this one. You know? I was talking to someone the other day, I don't know who it was, maybe it was a few students who were sitting together in class and they were telling me about, it was at the seminary, one of the lunch breaks, and the guys were explaining to me how um, they are, what was it again? It was, what do they call these shows where they follow people around with cameras? What, uh, reality TV shows, yes. Right? They were telling me about reality TV shows. I said, this is malayani. You know that whole thing, you're supposed to stay away from things that don't relate to you? Apparently, the Kardashians have been followed now for years. If you didn't believe in the angels who write down your deeds, start believing them now. <laughs> Gee. People know what you do, man, honestly. One time I logged into my Facebook, I, I checked my notification, and they said someone liked my post. And I said, I haven't posted in a week. I checked, that person liked the post from eight years ago. Going down and down and down and down. At that point, even your mouse is saying, have mercy on me. <laughs> it's going down and down. Mm-hmm. This positive, you know, praised good deeds. You're doing good. Keep doing the good you do. Yes. This is very powerful, by the way, these last two sentences. The most beloved to the Messenger of Allah was who? The one who was there to help other people. Yes. 
When the Prophet took a seat somewhere, what would happen? Everyone would turn in that direction. Allah. There is a right in showing happiness to people. He conveyed that. He wasn't always just a Scrooge. You know, people that are Scrooges, they don't laugh. The Prophet was always happy and keeping everyone happy, you know? Gee. Allah. Every person thought that the Prophet honored him the most, honored her the most. Like I said to you guys regarding Ahmad ibn Asad. Yes. Not just for some people. His kindness was for everyone. Yes. You know, you read this description and tears come to your eyes. Such an amazing person. Such an amazing person. Yes. Allah, no one was degraded, degraded or disgraced. What happens in our gatherings? Five minutes into the gathering, what do we do? Start insulting people, start bullying people. Every gathering has it, you know. Even in our religious gatherings, Allah forgive us. Yes. It was always hidden. Unless the fault affected other people, when someone commits a fault, what do you do? There's one hadith. مَنْ رَأَى عَوْرَةً فَسَطَرَهَا كَانَ كَمَنْ أَحْيَامَ The one who sees a fault in another and hides it will get the reward as if that person brought back to life the girl that was buried alive. You know, that's the reward for the One hadith is مَنْ سَطَرَ سَطَرَهُ اللَّهُ Whoever covers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cover for that person. Yes. Small ones were loved, the needies were given preference, strangers and travelers were cared for. A very happy society. We're almost done. Let's just quick read this quickly. حدثنا محمد بن عبد الله بن بزيع قال حدثنا بشر بن مفضل قال حدثنا سعيد قال عن قتادة عن نسل المالك رضي الله قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أهدي إلي قراع لقبلت ولو دعيت عليه لأجبت Yes. Something minimal. Is there any meat on the foot? No, there's nothing, no meat on there. I'll accept that too. Yes. Our time is such that I won't accept it unless it's sirloin. Evenly marbled. Yes. Uh, 
حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا عبد الرحمن قال حدثنا سفيان عن محمد بن المنكد عن جابر رضي الله عنه قال جاءني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ليس براكب براكب بغل ولا برذون يس He came walking. It was in one narration it says the Prophet ﷺ came along with Abu Bakr Siddiq and they came to visit him because he was sick. The Prophet ﷺ walked all the way came to visit him. Hadathana Abdullah bin Abdul Rahman qala hadathana Abu Nayn qala amba ana Yahya ibn Abi Al-Haytham Haytham ala Tar qala sami'tu Yusuf Yusuf ibn Abdullah ibn Salam qala samani Rasulullah ﷺ Yusuf wa qa'adani fi hijrihi wa masaha ala ra'si Abdullah bin Salam, anyone know who he is? The Jewish rabbi who accepted Islam, he had a son. Yes, this is his son Yusuf. The Prophet named me Yusuf. He looked at me, saw my beauty and said, this one right here is a Yusuf. Beautiful names. Keep beautiful names of your kids. Don't keep bakwas, meaningless names. Yes. Go ahead. وَأَقْعَدَنِي فِي حِجْرِهِ He sat me in his lap and he rubbed his hand over my head. He rubbed his hand. That's what you call showing love. Yes. حَدَثْنَا إِسْحَاقُ بِنَ مَسْنُونَ قَالَ حَدَثْنَا أَبُوْ دَاوُدُ الطَّيَارِسِ قَالَ حَدَثْنَا رَبِيَ وَهُوَ إِبْنُ صَبِيهِ قَالَ حَدَثْنَا يَزِيدْ الرَّقَاشِيُّ عن انس بن مالك رضي الله عنه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حج على رحل رث قطيف وقطيفه كنا نرى ثمنها اربعه دراهم فلما استوت به راحلته قال لبيك بحجه الناس مات فيها ولا رياء حدثنا اسحاق بن منصور قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق قال حدثنا معمر عن ثابت البناني ثابت البناني عن عاصم بن عن عاصم الاحول عن انس بن مالك رضي الله عنه ان رجلا خياطا دعا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقرب منه ثريدا عليه دباء قال فكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ياخذ الدباء وكان يحب الدباء قال ثابت فسمعت انس يقول ما صنع لي طعام اقدر على ان يصنع فيه الدباء الا صنع يس a tailor. Is a tailor going to be a wealthy person? Unless they're like doing $5,000 suits in downtown New York. Tailoring doesn't pay top dollar, you know? So a tailor person, average person, he invited the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, yes. Farid. Farid has been defined, translated here as stew. Farid, I don't know if we can translate it as stew. Farid is a dish the Arabs would make. It was actually the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's favorite dish. He used to love Farid. In one narration he said, or in one narration, the opposite way around. That the honor of Aisha over the rest of the women is like Farid has over all other foods. That's some real food passion right there, guys. It was this, it was, uh, they would take uh, bread they would cook it into the sauce. There was a lot of fat in there, and generally they would use fat to cook it. And generally it would have a lot of meat. The, the characteristic of tharid was that it would have a lot of meat. Yes. Gourd, anyone know what gourd is? Duba. We call it kaddu. It's, like, it's from the pumpkin family. 
against Gord. Anas bin Malik actually, he's seeing the Prophet, and the Prophet is surging to the plate and he's picking up the gourd. He's picking up a piece, eating it, picking up another piece, eating it. Even though he himself didn't like it, but because the Prophet liked it, he said, you know what, I started liking it too. Now, look at the humbleness of the Prophet where a person, average person from the community is inviting him, he's accepting, going, and enjoying the meal. Yes? Because the Prophet liked it, so because he liked it, it's amazing. He's saying because he liked it, I convinced myself and I told myself I had to like it too. And I acquired his taste buds. I started to like what he started liking. This may sound a little tricky, but trust me, it's possible. You know, sometimes you might notice that your mother likes something. My mother, she used to like drinking this drink with uh, ginger in there. And I kid you not, the first time I had it, I thought it was like, ugh. Then I was like, you know what, my mom likes it, let me try it again. Let me try it again. And then after drinking it a few times, you know what, I started liking it. Yes. My mom used to always eat uh, vegetables because she was previously Hindu. So they have vegetarian diets. So when she became Muslim, even then, she used to always make vegetables. So when I was young, I used to think to myself, man, is this going to be the rest of my life? <laughs> really? She used to make meat, by the way. She used to, she used to really enjoy making her dokaras and all this other, like, you know, uh, uh, vegetable stuff. But after a period, what happens? You begin to enjoy it. Yes. Hadathana Muhammad ibn Ismail qala hadathana Abdullah ibn Salih qala hadathana Muawiyah ibn Salih an Yahya ibn Sa'id an Amrata qalat qila li Aisha radiyallahu anha maadha kana ya'mur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi baytihi qalat kana bashara min al-bashari that's a human being yafli thawbahu wa yahlubu shatahu wa yakhdumu nafsahu yes My wife always quotes this hadith to me. She always quotes it. This, look, this. Yes. I tell her. Actually, leave it. Don't read. <laughs> yes. And that's the truth. All jokes aside, this is who the Prophet was. A human being. Now I'm not going to say it. He, would, he served himself, looked after himself, the Prophet ﷺ. In one narration it says, he patched his own clothes, the Prophet ﷺ. You know, he would help in cleaning the home. This was who the Prophet ﷺ was. He never viewed himself above cleaning or above taking care of mundane, day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities. Khair, a very beautiful chapter, like every other chapter in the Shama'il of Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives barakah and accepts... Uh, this is the end of my journey with you all. Tomorrow I travel out of country for a whole month, so I ask you all to make dua for me, inshallah. I make dua that your journey that continues with studying the seerah is a beautiful one, inshallah. And inshallah, your study of the seerah and the shamail continues for the rest of your life. You continue reading it again and again. I hope that each of you have um, created a special taste for seerah now. And you're beginning to enjoy it more and more. And if you're enjoying it now, wait till Sheikh Abdul Nasser gets back. He's the OG. He's the original. I'm just a filler. So when he teaches you guys, you'll enjoy it much more, inshallah, and aziz. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.